Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Hi, Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength right honesty here, of what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We have a continuation of where we left off yesterday. I want to start out today's show by, first of all, thanking all of you for continuing to make Harris Rules the number one international bestseller that it is. I know I mention this on practically every podcast, and it's because we really appreciate it. It's so cool to look at the numbers continue to rise. The book's got its own momentum. It's selling in Brazil, France. Don't know how in France or Brazil because it's not in Spanish or Portuguese or French, but there you go. It's selling. It's the number one bestseller in Canada. It was number five bestselling fiction book on Amazon. Just, you know, really, guys, it's amazing. So a um, couple announcements about the book. First of all, we have, we're about to sign an agreement with a publisher to come out with another book, which will be available, I think, in August, maybe July of this year. Um, and the book is going to be Harris Rules and a new version of it, an updated version with some more case studies, uh, more drill down on the last chapter, which is the Getting Rich chapter, which a lot of you um, wanted more information on. So we're going to be doing more on that. So that's going to be coming out towards the end of the year. Uh, in the meantime, Harris Rules is available, obviously, on Amazon. So if you've not pitch, picked up your copy, you need to do so. Also available on Audible. Second announcement, question really. Um, we have been getting a lot of requests to do live events. And I'll tell you, uh, being honest with you, the reason that we don't do like to do a lot of live events is because they're a huge hassle and risk. And most live events, and I don't know if the real estate folks, you guys will understand what I'm talking about. Most live events are basically, uh, from an attendee's perspective, they're a waste of time. You go mostly to those live events expecting to learn something, and what you end up taking away is basically the live event was there to try to sell you something, like a ticket to the next live event or a series of you know tapes or books or maybe a coaching program, right? So most live events that you guys pay to go to aren't really live training events. They're more basically live sales events where they're trying to sell stuff to you and you've paid to be there to have stuff tried to be sold to you. You understand what I'm saying? We didn't and never have and never will do an event like that. I didn't like that. Uh, I don't like going to events like that myself where they sort of bait and switch you. So Julie and I swore long ago that we'd never participate in that. And when we get asked to speak at others' events, which is on a regular basis, and it's basically uh, a sell-a-thon, like what I just described, we won't do it. Again, I don't want to be party to something like that because it's not in tune with who we are. We want to deliver content. We want to deliver value. I, mean, we, I think I shared this story with you guys yesterday. We were like thrilled. We got a, an invitation to speak in an event. It wasn't just real estate. Real estate was part of it. And there was going to be something like 10,000 people there. And we were talking to the owner of the event. They wanted us on stage and the whole thing. I think I mentioned this yesterday. And we got, it, you know, that sure, sounds like fun. Sounds great. So well, let's do it. When's it going to be? The whole thing. And then they started saying, telling us what they wanted us to do and say. They wanted basically us to, you know, again, sell, uh, you know, something from the stage and make it so that we are using the loyalty we have from all of you guys to try to get you guys to, you know, the whole thing. It's the same, you know, damn bait and switch thing again. So we declined on that one. Now, with that said, 
we do like to do live events, but we like to do live, small, unpublicized events, and we like to call them masterminds. We do these throughout the year, and we don't talk about them, and uh, we generally do them for our elite clients, sometimes our VIP clients. Sometimes we'll do a mastermind for a private group. Those are awesome because there's no selling. It's really honest to God, information sharing. It's the point of those types of things is a real true mastermind, not just by name, but actually where the attendees walk away saying, that really truly moved the needle for me. That's what we like to do. That's what Julie and I are really good at, perhaps the best at, dare I say. False humility aside, it's something we really enjoy doing. So we've been getting a lot of requests about doing a mastermind. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to test the waters right now. I'm going to ask all of you guys to let me know whether you want us to do a mid-year mastermind. It would be here in Austin, Texas. If we did the mid-year mastermind, I'm not committing to it. We are, it's going to be a small group of less than 100 people. Again, that's because there's less risk to us as organizers. That's straight up. You know, we're not going to do it. Um, and, you know, make it so that we lose money on it. We'd only do it if we could at least break even. We do it as a way of basically, um, again, uh, contributing to our big tribe, which is all of you guys and all of our coaching clients, most of which are both, right? Listeners are coaching clients. So that's really what we're thinking about doing. We're thinking about doing an event with probably less than 100 people. I would love to do it with just 50 people here in Austin. You will have to buy a ticket, whether you're a premier coaching member or not. And it'll ticket will probably cost between five hundred and a thousand dollars. It would probably be in July, and we're going to try to arrange to have several other, uh, in addition to Julie and ourselves, best-selling authors there. Um, I've already got a conversation started with Ryan Halliday. Ego is the enemy. I'm going to try for a couple others that you guys will have heard of. Um, we've had some requests for Jeb Blunt. I'm going to reach out to him as well. So that's what I'm talking about: a small group environment where it'll be very intense. Nothing. There's nothing, and nobody's doing anything like this now for the reasons I stated earlier, because most real estate events or most training events or most seminars, all they are, are in essence bait and switches to try to upsell you into something else. And this is not what this is what we're talking about. So if you think that's a good idea and you'd want to participate, like I said, sometime in July, um, between a $500 and $1,000, a day-long event, Austin, Texas. More details to follow depending on what the interest rate is. Uh, as far as what people are, how many people are interested. So if you're interested, I'm going to ask you to email me directly, Tim at timandjulieharris.com. And uh, yeah, I might also send out a survey monkey, but for now, there it is. Okay. So we are responding to the request from all of you for us to do a mastermind. And uh, if you're interested, step up. <laughs> all right. So Julie, welcome to today's show. Yes, thank you. It's been a whirlwind tour for me this morning, but I'm glad to be back and sharing the radio with you. So I think that we'll have a great uh, wrap-up to our topic du jour this week, which has been five money numbers that you must know before you jump into the world of investing, because we're going to be covering a lot of that next week. So we wanted to prepare everyone, and I, I forgot to mention on yesterday's show, Tim, the uh, impetus for me starting out with these five important money numbers that everyone must know was that I had gotten a coaching call from one of our – I can't remember if it was a, a – um, a coaching member or a podcast listener, uh, but the, it was an agent who her premise was, help me write this contract so that I can buy this rental property, but I need to have the seller give me a second and I need to do a commission advance to be able to close and help me do that, right? So I asked her some questions, uh, many of them based on our five magic numbers here. 
And eventually we drilled down, and I'm not going to use this person's name, because we found out she was also behind on her own car payment. So our discussion went something like, even if we could craft this deal together and cobble together your down payment, probably your credit isn't going to allow for you to close on something like this at a decent interest rate with the down payment you have in mind. So it's kind of like put on your own financial mask, uh, you know, oxygen mask first before you take more risk. And now not all of our listeners are in that position. Many of them already have some really great rental properties, multifamilies, even commercial property. But for those of you who are getting ready to get started to be investors, I didn't feel right jumping into that discussion without doing these five money numbers well, that everyone must know. Go ahead. But so so let's let's just actually think about why she thought that she could go ahead and start purchasing properties when she would had so many other areas of, you know, financial distress in her life. Um, you guys often criticize us for being too critical of other people selling information, but the fact is, is that uh, you need you need to be critical yourself. And sometimes, what we our job is to tell you what you don't want to hear when you don't want to hear it at the highest level. Okay, so to Julie's point about the email that she received, that gal had the intent of purchasing rental property, and it was fantastic. And she probably heard or read all kinds of little ways of basically buying with no money down. Uh, you know, there's property wholesaling. There's all these things that people are doing. I'm not saying those things are good or bad. I'm not going to judge them. Um, I'm, uh, you know, from a realist, from someone who focuses on helping licensed real estate agents, I will tell you that before you dive too deeply into the world of wholesaling, you better make sure that you are not going to be held to a higher standard because you have a real estate license. That's one of the things that a lot of folks Two. will find themselves running afoul to is they don't realize that when you have a real estate license, you literally cannot do the same things that you can do when you have no license whatsoever, because if there was ever litigation brought, you would be assumed to have a higher level of understanding of the process and you'd be held to a higher standard. So please, again, there you go. There's an example of something that nobody else will tell you. So remember what I just said, if you're planning on getting into real estate investing and you have a real estate license, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard as if you were doing a real estate transaction for a buyer or a seller. That's the understanding and the impetus that will be you know, assumed when you are involved with any kind of real estate deal. Now, with that said, it is financially irresponsible for us just to basically assume uh, that you are ready to financially invest. And here's the reason why. Listen to what we're saying. If you do not have your financial house in order, we are being irresponsible coaches and we're not really helping you because what's going to happen is you're going to purchase some property and you're going to put tenants in it and then they're going to have the plumbing break or they're going to have some financial issue or they're going to abandon the property in the middle of the winter and uh, turn the gas off and the pipes are going to freeze. All these types of things, you know, are problems, right? You don't have the financial wherefore. You don't have the financial wherefore to support that property as you rehab it or as the payment is not being made by the tenant, you have to make it yourself. See, what happens is every one of these properties that you buy needs to be looked upon as its own little individual LLC. And I discussed that yesterday. So when you purchase a rental property, what you're really purchasing, every single one of them is a small business. So when you have you know, 10 rental properties, you are managing 10 small businesses. That's truly what you are managing. You're overseeing 10 small businesses. And if you don't have the personal financial uh, you know, ability to weather uh, vacancies to weather uh, all kinds of you know repairs that aren't going to be covered by insurance if there's any kind of storm damage, then what's going to happen is you will not be able to keep that property and you'll lose it into foreclosure. And you basically will start not just where you started, 
before you bought the property, but you'll be further in the hole and you'll wonder what the hell happened to you. So we want you to actually be completely financially you know, res uh, responsible, I'll use the word sober, before you start purchasing properties. We have seen more people, listen to what your coach or your future coach, as the case may be, is saying to you right now. Julie and I have witnessed more people experiencing financial catastrophe from overextending themselves on rental properties than we have anything else. Anything else. More people have financially failed because they've overextended themselves in debt and liability and obligation through rental properties in a good real estate market or a bad than anything else, than any kind of health problem, any kind of tax problem, any kind of anything. If you go through, you know, what causes a lot of people in our industry hardship, it's often because they have made ill-advised investments. They made property purchases that they ultimately maybe could afford on paper or if their qualifications worked, their ratios worked. But when a couple bad months happened in the real estate business and they had a vacancy, what is the first thing they're not going to pay? What's the first thing that's going to basically, you know, basically go? It's going to be the rental property. And then the whole cycle begins again. You didn't actually move the needle. That's the reason that Julie and I take this more laborious approach. I know it's not sexy or exciting. And I know some of you just want to watch the infomercial and you want to say, oh, I'm going to be a real estate gazillionaire, even though you don't have steady income yourself, even though you don't have a job even though you're not paying your own car payment, even though you guys get the point. So let's be honest, you are not ready to purchase real estate at all until you basically have the basics done in your own personal life. And if you're an entrepreneur, as all of you are, in your own business as well. So Julie, let's go to the next point. Well, thank you. I appreciate that uh, support of my teacherly ways, perhaps, of making sure we drive this basic stuff home. And I think part of that's because nobody else does. So sorry that, you know, maybe this is new information for you guys, but that's what we're here for. So we did points one through four or money numbers that you must know one through four on previous podcasts. Catch up on those. We're going to jump into number five, which is my favorite, your magic number. You've heard us refer to this before, straight out of the treasure map, as well as the Harris Rules book and all of our coaching. So the magic number, this is the number of listings you must have at all times to meet or exceed your income goals on a monthly basis. Each listing should create at least one more listing in the neighborhood or the competing neighborhood for you and a minimum of two closable buyers. Now let's hover there for a second. If your current listings are not doing this for you, you are not working your listings the way we teach you to. Coming soon strategies for some of you who are in markets where they're gonna sell right away and you have less time to garner that lead generation off of having the listing. That doesn't mean it can't happen, you just have to use coming soon strategies. For those of you who have listings that are sitting around longer, you've got to do all the other normal strategies to get that minimum of one spinoff listing and at least two closable buyers. And we've had many coaching clients as well as our own experience where listings have thrown off way more than that. I remember a coaching client in an area of Detroit, okay? She got the listing through her center of influence. It was a like a book club, right? And she really didn't particularly love this listing because it was up on a hill on a busy corner with a stop sign in front. However, that was great advertising. And she had a brochure box out. She had her 800 number. She did more than eight buyer sides off of that listing by the time it finally sold. So it was a good little lead generator for her. Buyers on their own don't necessarily do that. Hopefully they'll refer you their friends and family, but they're not nearly as predictable as having a predictable number of listings in inventory at all times. So fact, you must have a handle on how to maintain your magic number of listings, which drive your consistent income. 
Not being clear on this puts you at risk of financial hazard if and when any of the following happen. Tim's mentioned some of these. Your market changes and you can't rent your rental properties for as much money or as easily. Properties stay vacant longer, draining your cash flow. The nature of the neighborhood might change for the worse and you have to sell, netting you less than you, uh, less than you owe potentially. That creates a short sale or foreclosure for yourself. That was not the goal. That's why we're taking the time to make sure that you are financially and fiscally sound personally first. And one of the best things you can do in the industry that you're in is understand and practice the magic number philosophy. Maybe for you, it might only be three listings at all times because you're turning them fast enough. For some of you, it's 10, 15, maybe even 20 listings at all times to meet or exceed that specific cash flow goal. We're talking about not cash spurts and beast and famine and all of that. We're talking about consistent, predictable, duplicatable income because you're maintaining listing inventory. That's why we Julie? coach you to be listing agents. Go ahead. I get excited. 112,867 people listened yesterday, so we cannot assume that all of them are longtime listeners, so they don't know what the heck you're talking about, the magic number. So, so guys, listen, go to uh, freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com, and um, download – when you request a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches, one of the books you're going to get is Real Estate Treasure Map. And the real estate treasure map, uh, the magic number formula is part of the real estate treasure map. In essence, is your business plan. And the magic number is the number of listings you need at all times to meet or exceed your financial goals, dreams, all that good stuff. So go and download those books. Just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Next point, Jules. Yes, you got it. So now we're going to go on to what to do about all of these five money numbers. And this is your action step and homework. Point number one, get clear on what all of your personal five numbers are. So again, we went into detail in previous calls, but basically we're talking about knowing your net worth, your income, your income requirements, that is, your credit score, things that affect your credit, and your magic number. So your action steps are first, know what all those five numbers are. Point number two, set up mint.com to track your net worth, your bills, and your spending trends. You only have to set it up once, and then it does the rest after you refresh. And I can't remember, I don't think mint.com costs anything, or if it does, it's got to be like nine bucks or something. It's either cheap or free. Okay, so number three, order your credit report at freecreditreport.com and review it for accuracy. Remember, ordering your own credit does not hurt your credit. Know your scores so you can get the best loans if you're not paying cash for your investments. And even if you are paying cash, it's smart for you to know what's on your credit, what's erroneous, and keep it clean. You may need it for other purposes. And you might find, maybe you find a multifamily that is a little bit more money than you were planning on spending in cash, and you want to half finance it. You still need to know what's going on with your credit. Point number four, or action step number four, review your income. Is it consistent yet? Or are you still in feast and famine, real estate commission roller coaster mode? Take action to implement your spokes in the wheel and your magic number. Well, that's the next point. So implement your spokes in the wheel. Tim, to your point, they don't always know what I'm referring to. Having multiple spokes of income, making sure you understand not just the income that you need to meet or exceed your goals, but how you're going to create that on not just a now and then basis, but on a specific monthly basis. Point number five is get to your magic number of listings. This is an important point for you to, to feel confident investing. Get to your magic number of listings for 90 days straight, minimum, 
before you start investing. So let's say that you've determined that you must maintain five active listings, because once they're pending, they're pending. Okay, we're talking actives. Once you've got five active listings, that, that creates, let's say, a predictable three to four closings per month. Then that's your magic number. Well, just doing that once and then selling them all off, panicking because they're all pending, and then having a dry month like the typical realtor way, right, feast and famine, just getting to five once for like a week and a half, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about maintaining your magic number of listings for at least 90 days straight. In other words, you sell one, you relist one. You sell one, you list one. If you want your inventory to grow, you sell one and you replace it with two until you get your magic number. And then you maintain it. You understand how that works for at least 90 days straight. Not random 30 days spread out throughout the year that come together to 90 days. 90 days, a really strong quarter. By the way, it's likely that lenders will ask you to see that consistency so you're actually working ahead here. It's not unusual for them to ask that trend out of you as an independent contractor. If you're already super consistent, then get going on your investment property. But if you're not, you've got to do these action uh, points. And last but not least, actually study your market. Know what's a, quote, deal and what's not. Understand how to analyze an investment property so that you make good decisions. And we're going to be talking about that on future podcasts. We're going to get into really understanding how to analyze what's a good deal and what's not, how do you determine what's a good deal to you, what percent return you've got to get back, you know, what constitutes a decent flip and what's not a great flip. We're going to talk about all of those investment uh, conversations, but you've got to study your market. You know your market best. You're going to know your micro trends. You should know what's going in that big field that everybody used to want to back up to. What's happening there? Is that going to be a grocery store, a Walmart, or is that a toxic dump? You've got to know this stuff so that you make the right decisions with your own purchases. And by the way, all of these points also apply to you being better at your job, helping your buyers and sellers make great decisions themselves. So back to you, Tim. That's, that's the end of my speech. So the next segment on this topic, what, what is it going to be, Julie, so we can foreshadow what they get next? Well, let me open up what I've been working on here. We're going to be talking about, uh, we did the five money numbers. We're going to talk about why it's a great thing to consider. What are the benefits to finding multifamilies, for one? Six benefits of investing in multifamily real estate will be part of this. And then we're going to get a little bit more analytical in terms of how to know things like operating expenses and capital expenditure and ROI, cap rates, all of that kind of thing that many of you have tried to learn on the side from maybe the random CE class or picking the brain of a commercial agent, we're actually going to get into that stuff so you have more confidence talking about that and then looking at things like multifamilies. And we'll talk about single, you know, regular stuff too. Go ahead. We're going to tell you guys simplistic formulas for figuring out cap rates. We're going to tell you how to you know, when you see properties for sale on LoopNet and things like that, and you see them talking about certain cap rates, we're going to show you how you can do it backwards to see if maybe they're padding the numbers a little bit, which, you know, is very normal. We're going to have, um, make sure you write this down, Julie. Maybe we can ask Mike Reeves to do it. We're going to have um, a lender on who's going to walk you guys through how to go about getting uh, uh, financing on, like, I think you can get government-backed in, uh, mortgages up to five families. I'm pretty sure that you can purchase up to ten, have up to 10 mortgages on 10 different properties without having to go through any higher level commercial underwriting. So basically a civilian can do it. I mean, it's easy to, relatively easy to do. 
Uh, so we're going to walk you through every single step. And the end game is going to be that we want to motivate you guys to seriously go out and look at properties. So I know some of you are going to want to take uh, this information so far and start digging in. I'm going to give you this little word of advice. And this is something we've learned personally, but we've, all, we've only had to learn this lesson once. But we've seen this lesson learned over and over and over again by other people. It, what you should purchase as rental property is counterintuitive to what may, many of you think. And I'll give you an example. Do not buy properties that you do not buy risky properties. Do not buy, buy properties in areas that you are getting think are getting gentrified. Do not buy prop, your first properties, right? Your cornerstone bedrock foundation properties. You want them. You want to buy in areas that are proven, that are uh, not up and coming, but they're already there. You want to buy in areas that have been solid areas for long periods of time that are landlocked. In other words, there's no new construction in order for someone to build something in there. They have to rip down something that's there. You want to buy something ideally in a city center that's near a school, um, but not too close. You want to buy, you guys get the point. So we're going to get, we're going to give you some parameters, what we look for. But here's really the interesting, I think, uh, the flip side, the approach we take. Julie and I don't look for deals when we're, when, we're, when we're prospecting. We don't look for deals when we're looking for our rental properties. That's not a real concern of ours. We're not looking to purchase something under market value. We're not. Because under market value oftentimes is for sale for a reason. And the reason is, is it needs a lot of repairs. It needs a lot of, uh, you know, maybe the location sucks. There's some reason it's under market value. And we don't want to deal with that because the reason it's unattractive now it's probably going to mean that after we put money in the property, uh, it's going to we'll have enough money, and not to mention our time, that we could have just bought a, a retail done, ready to rent house, and been way ahead of the curve to begin with, and not had all the hassles. So when you guys start thinking about rental properties, a lot of you will think in terms of flipping. A lot of you will think in terms of trying to find some junk. And guys, look, in most of your markets, the, the houses that need tons of work are almost as expensive as the houses that don't. So do yourself a favor. Look at the, the secondary and third, third markets that Julie and I told you about, North Carolina, Columbus, Ohio, Indianapolis, Indiana, those types of things. And don't just look for something that's under market. Look for something that's gorgeous, that's got new bathrooms and roofs and windows and furnaces and the whole thing. Now, it'll be easier to rent and it's going to be a hell of a lot hassle, less hassle for you because you know virtually nothing will break. That's what you want to look for for your first probably five or 10 properties, something that's not in a shifty area. No hypodermic needles behind the house. You don't have to drive past a bunch of unsightly stuff. There's not, you know, crime in the street. There's no, you know, crack dealers down the way. Don't look for stuff like that. Don't buy in areas where everyone's saying, oh my God, you got to buy something there because in, you know, five years, it's going to be the new whatever. Screw that. You do, do not take that risk. Buy a house starting, and then we always suggest people start with single family homes. Buy a nice single family house in a nice, stable, single family area. I'll give you an area where Julie and I have a lot of rental properties. And this is an area that I would strongly encourage you guys to consider purchasing as well. It's in go to realtor.com and put in the zip code 43214. Okay, that's where Julie and I originally started selling real estate. We moved up market and started selling stuff that was close to a million towards the you know, latter stages of our real estate career. But that's where we started and that's where we still continuously look for rental properties. Go look in that area to get an idea of what I'm talking about. Next, Go to Indianapolis, Indiana, and look around Butler University. The area around that area is a fantastic place to pick up rentals. You can buy a really, really nice rental property in that area for like 130 grand. And you can rent that thing out, believe it or not, for probably around $1,200 or $1,300 a month, 10% if you're paying cash, cash on cash return. I'm not making these numbers up. And here's the crazy thing. 
the reason that the rents are so high is because there's two or three major New York hedge funds that are purchasing properties there and they're purchasing for retail. I've had coaching clients in all these markets who have personally said to me, as soon as they put a property for sale that's in that price range, they get sometimes over asking prices from these uh, from agents who are representing these hedge, fund, hedge funds out of New York. They're not buying them to flip them, guys. They're buying them to keep them as rental properties. That's what you should be doing. So you should buy where the big boys are buying because they've already researched those markets. North Atlanta is another good market. Um, oddly enough, Houston and Dallas are still great markets to be purchasing single families in. Austin's gotten too expensive unless you go north of Austin and you can find some there. But I mean, we look there every day and trust me, it's really, really difficult to find something that makes any sense. So we will be sharing with you our math, what we look for, and but I'm giving you some homework to go start at least opening your mind to the fact that you don't want fixer uppers unless you are, and you know what, honestly, you shouldn't buy fixer uppers at all unless you have tons and tons of money and time um, because it'll soak you, it'll bleed you dry. It, it, okay, Tim, I can do the work myself. Yeah, but that means you're not gonna be out prospecting and going after listings and, and building your own real estate practice. That means you're gonna be a handyman. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I'll save a bunch of money. No, you won't. You'll waste a bunch of money because the opportunity cost of trying to save that, you know, trying to save that dollar is costing you a hundred dollars. You guys get it? You got to think like business people. You have to think like entrepreneurs. You have to think like somebody who actually is on the path to having financial freedom. So tune in tomorrow uh, and uh, we'll give you more information on this. And remember, guys, email me directly if you're interested in attending our mid-year mastermind. We're just tossing it around right now if we want to do it. Um, I know that we, if we just open this up to our private clients, we can get 50 people. I'm trying to get a more diverse group by inviting just, you know, basically everybody and first comes first serve. But tell me what you think between a 500 and a thousand dollars, Austin, Texas, sometime in July. Um, and ideally we want to have less than a hundred people there and it's a true mastermind. All right. So email me, Tim at Tim and If this is something you're interested in. In the meantime, guys, stay focused. I know some of you are fighting through some nasty weather. I know some of you basically are having a sort of a delayed start to year because of the snow. And what happens in markets like this, it happens, you know, there's been, there was a start of last year was like this too, or maybe it was the year before. Whenever there's bad weather, the business that would have happened now is just getting pushed forward. So you're going to have like a ferociously busy February and March if your January was a tad slow. So don't lose faith. If you need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day and we'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>